Her name is Labohang Peko, Senior Research and Political Analyst at Trade Collective. Good morning, Labohang. Hello, how are you? We're good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Now, quick, fast, Labohang Peko 101. Who are you? Where are you from? So I'm a senior research fellow at an outfit called Trade Collective. It's uh, the think tank. We like to think of ourselves as progressive. And we're really interested in the political economy, particularly of regional integration yes. um, and international trade issues. Um, and we're really interested in particular as well as the, the position of African countries and African economies in global context. So, you know, our motto is Africa first uh, and Africa always. So what do I need to study to replace you at where you work right now? Uh, um, yeah, I think an interest in being an African, an interest in international relations, yeah. an interest in economics, um, but I think more than anything, really an interest in kind of African African solutions and 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 how we position ourselves as a global as a global force. Yes. Uh, and I think that we're interested in not really being, you know kowtowing to internationalization in the context of what the West is doing, but in the context of what a fantastic region we're privileged enough to live in in this particular time. Amen. Uh, Let's get straight into (laughs) it, uh, Lebohang. Let's start with the state capture inquiry. Is it a waste of time and money based on what's happened before with other inquiries? Right. I mean, we're, we're, we're really inquiry, you know, we're really an inquiring nation, aren't we? We always have a way of putting these commissions together. Um, you know, we understand a lot about the architecture of what state capture has, has come to mean in this country. It's not unique to South Africa. It mm. happens everywhere. And it's really about trying to buy favor, trying to influence, uh, influence particular, especially government tenders, Private corporations do it. People do it in order to avoid paying taxes. People do it in order to buy political influence. Um, people do it in a particular ways, whether it's by having a series of enforcers in key state departments, state-owned enterprises, which is what has happened in this country, ESCOM, um, South African Airways, and so on, Transnet, and so on. So it takes on different forms. Um, and I think what's really unfortunate about us is that we have lost the the actual, this, this incarnation of it. comes in the 1990s with this Gupta family um, setting up an IT company called Sahara, which many of us will probably be familiar with. And then they basically buy their way um, into into favor in this country through President Zuma, through people like the Pahad brothers, and so on. So it actually predates President Zuma, but of course he puts them, uh, he 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 enforces them and leans on them financially. His son goes to work there, and then by a series, you know, people like Brian Mulefe, um and then a whole series of other people, the KPMG executives, um, it becomes a real web of intrigue that we're now dealing with. My my concern with this is that who, where do we begin and where do we end with this? Who is going to jail? Who is going to reimburse the state? And how do we buy back state confidence, public confidence in state processes? How do we buy back you know, confidence in, in our current form of leadership? Once a state has been camp- compromised to this extent, what people want to see is the capacity of the state to correct itself. Mm. But the government that we have seen is always talking about self-correction. Is it really possible for a 
government to correct itself? And is it also possible for that, so possible that the government is so compromised that they have lost the line between party issues, party politics, and the capacity to run a government which is for everybody? Um, and I think that the other thing that's really quite unfortunate in that is um, it also changes the rules of the game. What, peop- what has happened here is that many, when, when states are captured, and even the word capture is becoming a catch-all for all sorts of things, for corruption, for coercion. Um, it even sounds militaristic because when you're capturing something, it's almost as though you are, you are forcefully taking on the organs of power. And yet it's actually a really covert, subtle, surreptitious, um, incremental process. Um, it's about really a series of influential individuals who have formed st- strong relationships between capital, between big business, between government departments, even with the judiciary. Mm. Where does it begin and where does it end? Does this mean that the whole cabinet needs to go to jail? Does this mean that the previous presidents also need to be asked some very searching questions? Does this mean that we need to clean out all of the government ministers and cabinet ministers and the heads of some CEOs of all the state-owned enterprises? So, in, in as much as I don't want to say that it's a time-wasting exercise, Fresh, we are only dealing with very issues, probably one or two symbolic heads will roll, but the real rot, the really endemic systemic rot, will probably remain with us for quite a long time. Lebohang um, Samizi, I'm, I'm not big, I'm not that much clued up really when it comes to politics, but as, as a citizen, I, I ha- mm. am I overthinking it or am I exaggerating it when I, th- when I don't believe anyone will go to jail based on I don't believe there's anyone who's clean. Um, so it's going to be, if you hang out my laundry, I'll hang out your laundry. If you mm. take out my skeletons, I'll take your skeletons. So let's just do it for the formalities and end it with, with yeah, some excuse. My smaller young skeletons will hang out with your smaller young skeletons. Yes, and, 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 and also, w- w- in, in, in the ideal world, uh, according to you, what do you think should be done um, with regards to this state capture? Yeah, it's a hard one because state capture in this in this incarnation, as I say, goes back almost over 20 years. It was under the radar for such a long time and the different forms of capture before then. Even if the prosecutions happen, they're not going to solve the, the, the much deeper problem of how to clean up what many people think is now a really, a, a really brazenly corrupt state. Um, and that, that state doesn't only, that, those, that, that corruption doesn't, is not only contained within these borders. Corruption is also an international web of intrigue. Mm. Businesses, big business, global corporations. Um, and I don't think that we can reduce it to one family, quite frankly. The Guptas are the, are, are the tip of the iceberg. That's the other thing. Mm. So what people, I think, are looking at now, we're looking at maskets, maskets of justice, right? Maskets of credibility, rather than really going into the, as I said before, does this really mean then that the whole cabinet should go, go to jail, that different heads of state should also be called into question, that we should actually clean up all of parliament and say, look, we're going to close shop and start all over again. Who is going to do that? Nobody. So I think that at the very least, all we're going to have is a really symbolic gesture of a couple of people who may be slapped on the wrist. I mean, we've already seen already, Brian Malese has already been um, aired out to dry. His career is effectively over. His credibility is effectively over. So we're going to have a few more maskets like him who are going to be um, used, whose, whose heads are going to roll. But the, really, the people who are the architects of this and the enablers of this are 
are going to continue in the system. And I think that, that, that to me, is the most unfortunate part of all of this. It also shows that this is not just about South Africa, and it's not just about the Guptas, it's not just about this political moment. It's about how our states are formed. This is, mm. this is the state of the nation and the state of nations, gents. 18 minutes after 8, this is Fresh Politrix on Metro FM. We're hanging out with Lebohang Peko, Senior Research and Political Analyst at Trade Collective. Lebohang, could we change gear just a sec and go to SAA? You know, we always read these glowing reports about East African airlines and how well they're doing. How are we not learning from them? Yeah, this is a really good question. So Air Ethiopia is an interesting case study. I mean, all they have done over the past few years, they're also a state-owned enterprise, by the way. Mm. They what, what they do is that they make very sure that the state does not interfere in um you know there's not does not interfere at all in in the running of the of the corporation so they're about 70 years old um and they 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 actually have enjoyed an amazing strategic turnaround and it's only taken about 20 or 25 years i mean their turnover over the last few years has gone into the billions us um you know by 2010 2011 it was 1.3 billion um dollars us right um, and that exceeds all of its initial projections. Now, they've done a couple of smart things. They've increased their footprint. They go to the profitable cities. I mean, I flew Air Ethiopia a few weeks ago to London. It was the most cost-effective route um, during peak hour um, going to Europe. It was extremely efficient. They left when they said they were going to leave. It was comfortable. And all of the, I mean, it was a lot more comfortable than South African Airways has been. The second thing as well is that they've got a, a planning cycle. And it's broken up into three five-year phases, the short, the medium, and the long term. So not the style that we have here in South Africa of trying one thing and then, um, you know, shifting it after a couple of years. They have been very respectful of the governance processes within the, the, the within Air Ethiopia. So the CEO and the board there have a lot of autonomy, unlike what we've seen over the last few years here, where, you know, a, really, a few really good people have had to contend with political interference. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that they've really done is infrastructure. So they've got really good fleets. You know, the third pillar of, the, of what they do is, is infrastructure. Um, so they, 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 they're looking long range. They don't rent um, airlines, unlike um, SAA. So SAA has still got a lot of um, airlines which they rent, you know, old airlines from British Airways, from other, from other airlines. Mm. What they've done is to invest in their high yield, you know, like Addis to Washington, where, of course, there's a huge um, Ethiopian, um, Ethiopian population, Addis to Johannesburg, Addis to London. They have invested and they buy them so that these are not going to be depreciating assets. Mm. Um, and I think that the other thing that's really important is that um, you know, so South African Airways has, this, has, has, has followed this model of trying to make, trying to make, you know, for example, the fuel prices. They have not appreciated that. You can't fly the less effective, the less effective route. And I'll give a personal example. I missed my flight to Maseru a couple of years ago. And I, I, it, was a, it was a Friday morning. I was going for a meeting. Um, and the, when I eventually sprinted, the guy said the person who had just gone on the, on, the, on the airline an hour before, had flown alone. 
can you believe that I flew to Maseru on my own? Wow. And I, I don't know whether... The, so there were two people in two hours for whom these flights were chartered, SAA. Mm-hmm. Now you tell me, is that how many... What is the traffic between Johannesburg and Maseru? And I say that with all due respect to my, my, my Musutu Rutsure. Really, there's not, there ain't that much going on for us, Koli Sutu, for us to have one, two, three airlines going there per day. So basic faux pas that the SAA is also going through. Another thing, there was a scandal that, that took place about some shelf companies which were trying to, which, which they had almost awarded tenders to, to the, to the value of several trillion euros a couple of years ago. The due diligence picked it up just on time. Gante, this French company, is not really a company. It's some dude sitting in Paris mm. with this shell company, which was about to get a huge tender through South African Airways. And, you know, I wonder how many more of these tenders have passed without the true due diligence. So there's just all of these, like, self-inflicted wounds that South African Airways has imposed on itself, which um, somehow um, Air Ethiopia has managed to avoid. But the main thing is they have avoided state interference and they've avoided the bailout model. I think uh, we will leave it at that, and hopefully one day we will start looking at how others are doing it correctly and learn from them. Uh, it, it can't be rocket mm-hmm. science, really. Lebohang Peko, senior researcher and political analyst at Trade Collective. Hashtag Fresh Politics.